this is Tim Rausenberger with BrassTender.com. Today is Thursday, October 12th, 2017. This is episode 113, The Keys to an Effective Marching Band Season, Part 3. During Part 1 of this three-part series, on the marching band season. I discussed various things to consider prior to the start of the school year. And when I completed that episode, I realized that I hadn't addressed band camp enough. So part two was dedicated primarily to band camp. This final part is going to discuss all of the things to consider throughout the course of the school year. And when it comes to the marching band, there are many. A lot of marching bands are made successful and are also broken by the events and actions which occur during the school year. Because I can say when I speak to marching band students, ones I have taught, ones who have been in other marching bands, almost all of them enjoy the social elements, being able to play their instruments, doing the field show, and a lot of them enjoy band camp. But the one thing that always comes back, always seems to come back with every person I speak to, is the season itself. Something happens throughout the course of the season which irritates them. And the ones who are die-hard marching band members will not mind. They'll just think, well, it is what it is. Unfortunately, in 2017, it's not quite that simple anymore. And unless it's a culture in your community where joining the marching band is just a thing to do or the thing to do, you need to tread lightly and make smart decisions and plan appropriately for your marching band season. So in no order, let's discuss home and away football games. Does your marching band only play the field show and for that matter, appear as a full marching band only at home games? Some schools, that is the case. Some schools, that's never been the case, but now it is. And one of the primary reasons that a lot of districts are heading in that direction is because of the cost of busing. Some districts simply don't want to pay the extra money for another bus. Their rationale is simple. They want the the music at the game, but they don't need to have the halftime entertainment. After all, if you're going to another stadium, hopefully the halftime entertainment will be provided by the home team, and you as the away team can simply play your music in the stands and be a pep band. That's certainly something that could and should be on the table. 
for all of your home and away football games, are you going to be at all of them? Or are you a marching band that has so many other commitments, i.e. competitions and festivals, that you're not attending those games? Is that okay with your administration? Or I should ask, is that really okay with your administration and the school and the community as a whole that the band is not at those games? Because marching band and football have always been tied to each other. There's a reason that marching band does not play at hockey games. You're not going to see a marching band during the sixth inning of a varsity baseball game. You may laugh at that, but it's true. Marching bands have always been associated with football. They've always been associated with playing music in the stands. And one of the big reasons for that is because you have very large crowds. The music can be played loudly. The colors of the uniforms and the support that the band, in conjunction with any other units that are there, such as cheerleaders, provides to the school community. You have to be careful with that. I've known of directors who arrogantly say, well, we're just going to do competitions. We don't really care about the football games. Okay, that's fine. Just make sure it's really fine with everyone else. Because if it isn't, your program may die a very quick death. And it will have nothing to do with how much the students do or do not like competitions and festivals. Now, me personally, and this just goes all the way back to my childhood, I've never enjoyed parades. I've just always found parades to be way more trouble than they've been worth. But here's the thing. I am in the distinct minority with that. People love parades. They just do. So when we had a parade, we did it. I never enjoyed it a great deal, but we did it. And we did it to the best of our ability. And I made sure that my marching band was in tip-top shape because you have to remember something, especially with a marching band. And you need to remind your students of this. The way that they conduct themselves, the way that you conduct yourself as a staff member, you never know when someone is watching you. You don't know if you do an away football game with awful weather in which your pep band shows up that someone significant might be there listening to your group watching as you persevere perhaps even enjoying the sounds coming from your group when you are involved with parades that might be the only time people in your community actually see the band you can almost guarantee it might be the only time that the mayor and council see your band because there are people in the community who simply don't like going to football games they may not like football they may not like doing that on their Friday evenings or Saturday afternoons. But they'll probably enjoy watching a parade, which is free of charge, 
So you need to figure out what type of band you're going to be. What's important to you? What's important to the band? Yes, I understand whenever you're part of a performing organization, there is absolutely an element that's associated with any performing group in which you want the members to be happy with what they are doing. I completely agree. But you also can't lose sight of the other people who also need to enjoy what you're doing, like administrators, like the community on the whole. There were many things and accommodations that I made over the years to make sure that people were happy. And a lot of them didn't take a lot of time, but the dividends that you reaped were worth it. So think about that. Think about that in terms of what you want out of your marching band for the season. Now, for the home and away games, what type of uniforms are you going to wear? At the away games, are you going to be wearing the same uniforms as you wear to the home games? Are you going to dress in a separate attire? In terms of uniforms as a whole, are you going to have the same exact uniform worn at all times, in all forms of weather, with no deviation? When I was in high school, we had a tradition that pretty much stands to this day, that no matter what the temperature outside, you will wear that full uniform. And when it was 95 degrees in Memorial Day, we wore those heavy wool uniforms. And we all probably lost several pounds marching the parade, which was about two to three miles long. It was a long parade. Will you deviate from your uniforms in certain situations? One thing that I think is imperative is that whatever uniform you decide to wear at any event, everyone must have the same thing on. No questions asked. Everyone must have the same things on. If you've decided that students are not going to wear their marching band jackets and they're going to wear t-shirts, they should all have the same t-shirt on. The same t-shirt. Perhaps it's going to be a theme for that year. Or it's going to say your high school and whatever year marching band season with perhaps some type of design. But it shouldn't have students who are wearing other apparel, which may or may not be for the school, or something for a marching band that was worn two or three years ago. Everybody needs to have the same, same things on, which means when you do get t-shirts for your marching band, order extras. Have extras at the ready at all times for the one yo-yo who shows up without the appropriate attire. Are you going to be wearing the lower half of the marching band uniform or are the students going to wear something different? I've, I've known of situations where students have worn jeans, where they've worn other types of black pants. You need to figure that out. I think we can probably agree that the footwear should probably be worn at all games because marching band footwear is usually very comfortable and it looks good. And it's also the safest footwear for your students to be wearing. They don't want to be twisting their ankles. 
Are you going to allow the band to put blankets on and other things to keep themselves warm while they're in the stands? I've seen many marching bands where that hasn't been allowed. That's up to you. Me personally, I think if the weather merits it, I, I allow it. But it doesn't change your uniforms. Are you going to allow them to put things on like earmuffs, 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 or special gloves to keep themselves warm? These are all things you need to discuss. These should not; these decisions should not be made on the fly. That's where you run into problems. It's when you make the decision the last possible minute and it happens every game. There's nothing wrong with when it happens once. Maybe twice. But when you're running an entire season like that and there's inconsistencies, that's not good. You know, we had a rule and one of my rules was that whenever we're in uniform, we are in the uniform that has been determined by the marching men staff for that day. And you remain in that uniform in public view at all times. Had students before where it will be maybe 60 degrees outside. And for some of them, without the jacket on, they'd be more comfortable. And very, very early in my career, very early, I had some students that decided to go to the stands to the concession stands to go get food. And I saw them take their jackets off. And they were also holding the jackets in a very careless way, which to me, I, I consider to be very disrespectful to the uniform itself. I treat marching band apparel similar to how the military would treat theirs. And I think it's very disrespectful when you're not holding things properly or you're holding things that you shouldn't be holding at that particular time. And I remember reaming those students out when they came back. The students need to stay in a uniform that's consistent so they can be easily identified and it also does not give the impression to anyone that there's any sense of anarchy within your program of people being rebellious and doing their own things this is important stuff or else the marching band's not taken seriously students will take pride in doing this Yes, some of them are going to grumble. That's too bad. That falls under the category of that's life. Now, in terms of going to away games, I'm going to give you a helpful tip. If you haven't done it before, do it. Take a look at the schedule. Figure out where all of your away games are. Spend one day, usually will take an afternoon, maybe on the weekend, whether you do it by yourself or you take another staff member with you, maybe it's an opportunity for you and the staff to potentially parlay this afternoon into maybe a staff dinner where you just get around and talk turkey. Here's what I recommend for all away events. Not necessarily band festivals, although you could do it for those too, but especially for the football games. Drive to the places where the games are going to be held. Scope out the area. That is imperative. It's critical. And why is it so important? You don't want to be going to any stadium that you do not know. You don't know the surroundings. You don't know the roads around the area. You don't know the places where the bus needs to drop off the students or the truck needs to unload the equipment. You need to know this stuff in advance. 
because one thing that we know is a hot commodity for any of these events is time. And you don't even want to be wasting a second of your time having to try to figure out where to put the truck, where to put the bus, where to unload the students, what places are okay or not okay, and you communicate with the other school in advance. Contact their athletic director, contact the band director, and ask them. Believe me, they will be very appreciative that you're looking into this well in advance. Don't wait till the day of the game when they have so many things going on. You do it well in advance and you contact the schools and you ask them the questions on how they do things there. Because after all, you are the visitors. And then you, you can prep your band accordingly. You can explain to them, when we get there, this is what needs to be done. You also need the staff to all be on the same page, particularly if your band is taking up more than one bus, as most bands do. The director can only be in one place at, the, at, one, at any given time. So knowing this information in advance, I, I cannot stress it enough. It has saved me and it has saved my staff members all kinds of aggravation in knowing what the landscape is like before we've arrived. And when it comes to festivals, there's no harm in doing the same thing. You know, people that tend to give directions to things never consider that the other person may or may not have ever even been there before. And sometimes the directions and the instructions are really poor. And they don't explain things very well. Don't rely on those instructions. And for heaven's sake, don't rely on your bus drivers. My goodness. I have had more problems with bus drivers than I can even tell you over the years. And this includes the really good ones. The ones who tell you, oh, I know exactly where I'm going. More, more often than not, they don't. And when there's any deviation whatsoever in which something happens, in which a road is closed or something, you're in, you're in a tough situation. I remember going to a game. Oh my goodness, this must have been about seven or eight years ago. And I went to a game. It was a Friday night game. It was an away game. And when we were going to the school, there were only two ways of getting into the school. The bus driver only knew one. And the one way to get into the game, to, to get there, to get into the field, the road that you had to take to get in, any vehicle that was the size of a minivan or bigger could not go past the road because an electrical power line had fallen and was hanging very, very low. And it was a live power line. They really shouldn't have even let any cars pass by. But they were not allowing anything with a min that was a minivan or bigger to pass by. And the bus driver, no idea where he was going whatsoever, decides to turn up this road. I'll never forget this. Turns up a road, and the road turned out to be a dead end. This was before GPS. We went up this road. The road was about the width of the actual school bus. The bus goes all the way down the road. Oh, excuse me, all the way up the road. It's uphill for like a solid mile, gets to the end, realizes it's a dead end. The bus had to go in. It could not do a K-turn. That was not an option where we were. The bus had to go in reverse back down this massive hill for a mile. I remember we had to close the windows to the bus 
because tree branches were actually entering the bus, I was thinking that a kid was going to have their eyes poked out. It took the bus over a half hour to go in reverse down that road. I'll never forget it. It was terrifying. One of the worst experiences of my life. I, I and it was one of those things. I don't even. I can't even laugh about it now because it was such a. It was such an awful situation. But these are the stories that we all know as band directors that we experience with bus drivers. Make sure you know your directions. Don't even just go with the GPS. You need to know more than just what the GPS is saying. We rely too much on that. And the GPS is not going to do anything for you when you actually arrive to the field and knowing where to go. So what is the what is the moral of all this? Know where you're going. Know everything about your away events. Gather the information in advance. So many band directors, they worry about the petty nonsense. And then this is one of the most important things. They wait till the day of and then there's stress galore for everyone. It's not worth it. Okay, so the season itself, you have your football games, you need to figure out what the band is going to be doing at the football games, when the band is, is supposed to play, when they're not supposed to play. Is the band going to play the national anthem from the field? That's usually the case. Sometimes the national anthem is played from the stands. Is the band going to play the national anthem at all? Perhaps there is some type of vocalist that's going to sing the national anthem instead. With a flag being flown, football field, are you still bringing an honor guard onto the field? Most bands do. Not all bands do, though, at the same time. Some don't. Those are things, again, to consider. When is your band going to play the fight song? Is it going to play the fight song as soon as the, the team runs out onto the field and that's the only time? Are they going to play the fight song as the team is going into the locker room and when the team comes out for the third quarter? How many times will the fight song be played? Now, in terms of the fight song, I can tell you we always played it when the team came out. And if we were on the field to play the national anthem. We made sure, of course, the, the fight song was memorized and students played the fight song from the field into the audience, which of course gets the audience going, gets the football team going too. You're right there on the field with them and you're playing in their face. It's a pretty cool thing. The fight song needs to be memorized. Why? Because you might be in a situation, perhaps you're getting set up for your halftime show and the team scores. What are you, not going to play the fight song because the team scored and you're not sitting in the stands? That's ridiculous. I've had many situations where there'll be 15 seconds remaining in the half, team scores, get the band ready to go, and they play the fight song. Always. able to play other music throughout the course of the game. There, I've actually been told, there was one year where the, the football coaches told us they didn't want any music played at all when they were on offense or defense. They actually said that. We're on offense and defense, we don't want any, any music to be played. To which I said to myself, when do you want us to play? And we had to figure it out. We had to do it on timeouts on, at the quarters, and that was it. That was one season. We had another season, like most years, where you play when your team is on defense to mess up the other team's offense. But we even had one year in which the 
staff said to us, play as much as you want when we're, at, when we're on offense. Do not play when we're on defense. Again, just have a simple conversation with the football coach or the, the athletic director. Ask these questions. Don't just assume. Don't just do it. There are some places where just playing all the time is completely and totally fine. In other places, it's not. What type of music are you going to play in the stands? There are absolute standards that are available out there, and I'm not going to go through all the repertoire today, but there are standards out there that people know, people enjoy, people appreciate. The best thing to do when it comes to stand music, find stuff that's easy and sounds good. Easy and good. That's a good way to go. Stuff that's going to be very simple for the band to learn. Don't pick out a Bill Chase arrangement of something. And there's nothing wrong with Chase. But <laughs> some of the stuff can be crazy. Some of these arrangements that, that some of these people come up with. Or they'll, they'll do versions of the Star Spangled Banner with weird harmonization and all this. Just... When it comes to marching bands, the KISS method, keep it simple, stupid. K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid. Just keep it simple. It'll sound great. This is The idea here is not to sound like the New York Philharmonic out on the field. And there are people that have these warped ideas in their minds. Ooh, I'm going to play this special grade three and a half arrangements you've never heard it before you know what i probably don't want to hear it again keep that for the concert stage when it comes to the the actual and especially so when you you, you deal with something like the national anthem don't mess with that you're gonna have somebody who's a veteran who's gonna be in the crowd and, and people get irritated when you start doing weird things to it. That's the reason why people don't like these distorted versions of the Star Spangled Banner. You have to consider the other people. Now, throughout the course of the marching band season, this is another topic which has always been a very, very big issue. <laughs> Timing. What I'm going to talk about first with timing has to do with the times of your rehearsals. If you decide to rehearse from 6 to 9, you need to make sure to establish what is truly 6 o'clock and what is truly 9 o'clock. Does 6 to 9 mean that the, the students are ready to start the rehearsal at 6 o'clock on the button? and will be leaving the premises by nine o'clock. Because I can tell you right now, that is rarely, very, very rarely clear when it comes to staff members. There are so many parents that get so annoyed when it comes to the starting and ending times of marching band rehearsals. Because once again, you could have a sports practice or a game which is supposed to end at 5 o'clock. And if it ends at 5.20, it just is. Parents may grumble, but they'll just grumble and that'll be the end of that. Maybe they'll say a little something, but not much. When it comes to marching band, they will say something. They will always say something. And too often they don't say anything to the staff members. They'll grumble as parents. They'll grumble to their students. They'll complain, they'll complain, they'll complain, they'll complain. Because they're sitting in their cars, waiting, waiting, waiting for their students to come out. So you need to be crystal clear as to what you plan to do during that course of time. For my rehearsals, it was simple. 
if we started at six o'clock, we started at six. We never, not once, did we start a rehearsal at 6.05 or 6.08. Not once. At six o'clock on the button, we were either already on the field at six o'clock starting rehearsal, not 6.01, not 6.03, at six o'clock. And people that were late got the message very, very quickly. We got on their case and said, stop being late for rehearsal because they were interrupting the rehearsal. And other kids would get on their cases as well. And that has to be consistent. You can't decide as a staff member, you want to take your own time before you get started because you're not in the mood for the rehearsal. You're going to have those times. You have to push through. You have to persevere. And you have to make sure that those rehearsals start on time. They can't be late. Our time is too precious. What I say to students all the time in all of my rehearsals, don't waste time during the rehearsal time. Because when it comes time to perform, you're going to regret it. You're going to wish you had that time back, and you don't. So it has to be enforced. It absolutely has to be enforced. Now, the ending time. This is where things get interesting. So you have all your stuff out on the field. What time is the ending time? It's 9 o'clock, if that's going to be your ending time. Is that the time that the rehearsal meaning the final notes are played and then you have to pack everything up. Well, you've got to pack everything up off the field. You're not getting back inside and with everything packed up and away until 9.15 at the earliest. At the earliest. With others not leaving until 9.30. Now, if you have a designated crew who's packing things up and then other students can leave right from the field at 9 o'clock, then that's fine. Again, all of that needs to be clear. If people know this in advance, then you'll be fine. If there's one thing that I have learned in all of my years, and especially people who know me well, people get very, very aggravated when you deviate from the expected times of things times you're going to arrive, the times you're going to leave. People get, in, in our society, get unbelievably annoyed if you set something and you don't stick to it. Have I had years where a rehearsal was supposed to end at 9 and it didn't end until 9.25? Yes. And I can openly say that I sincerely, from the bottom of my part bottom of my heart apologize to those parents and students who put up with that unprofessional behavior of mine because it is unprofessional saying that a rehearsal is going to end at nine and then in a disrespectful manner deciding to end the rehearsal at 9 40 is wrong on every level it doesn't matter how well the rehearsal is going it doesn't matter what the situation is Whatever the time is you're planning an ending, end it then. My goal usually, if we were going to end rehearsals at 9 o'clock, my goal generally was at 8.45 to finish the run-through of the show, which you should always be ending your rehearsals with. You should always be ending with a run-through or doing a giant chunk of whatever drill work was assigned for that particular practice and whatever stuff that you worked on. But doing the full show is, is pretty important. I would typically end about 15 minutes before, discuss things with the band, do announcements, do a recap, make sure that they know what they need for the next game, go through all that stuff, and then dismiss.
the other thing, just having to do with dismissals, I'm just thinking of this, this just popped into my head. When you're dismissing your group or when you're calling them to order, for lack of a better word, when you're bringing them together, you might want to call them to attention and perhaps have something that the group is going to say, you know, whatever on three. One, two, three, and then you say whatever it's going to be. That's a great camaraderie thing. And I would do that often in public, and people would be very, very impressed by it. Just watching how the band... It's almost like a band in a huddle, like a sports team. Very, very similar to that. Really, really builds camaraderie. And it's good for focus as well. Throughout the season, you're going to have other types of issues need to take into consideration. Students with medical conditions. If you have students with big medical conditions, you should make sure that somebody is on staff and on call at all times who is trained to help anyone who's going to could potentially have a seizure, asthma attacks, uh, allergies, the list goes on and on. Our kids are more unhealthy than ever and have so many different types of conditions. It's worth having someone who's a health professional at the ready. We had a parent who for many, many years, she just went to every single game. She was approved by the board as just a volunteer, but she was a nurse. Invaluable, invaluable to have someone like that with you. Wasn't a staff member, just there at every single game and available. In terms of parents on a whole, get them involved with the show. I like to think of them as being roadies because these people, believe me, a lot of people, when they see that this is a quality activity that their children are enjoying, you need to never forget that so many parents still want to be able to live their lives vicariously through their children. But if they have the opportunity to be able to jump in and do something like this, they'll do it. Most people need a reason to get out of the house. Most people need a social outlet. And you know what? Marching band can actually accomplish those things. The parents, and I should just say adults, older brothers and sisters, grandparents, I can't begin to tell you then the gratitude I have for these people for everything they did over the years to make my life easier. And that was always the goal that, that they had because they knew how hard I worked to give their children a fabulous experience along with the other staff members. Just like I've said in past podcast episodes, if you're a teacher, you need to know your custodians, you need to know the secretaries, the maintenance people. When it comes to marching men, those people are not around. The people you really need to know are going to be the parents. They're the ones who are going to be able to help you out in a pinch with anything and everything that you need. When there's a problem with a uniform and an emergency repair needs to be made to the uniform. When a child is ill, the child has just gotten sick on the bus and they can be there and be able to provide a motherly or fatherly role model while you're able to tend to the rest of the band. This stuff's very important. Well, I've even had situations where students have had to go to the hospital from football games. We would send a staff member, but we 
nine times out of ten would have a parent that would go there too just to help to calm the student. This is very, very important. Speaking of traveling, your buses, are you going to have assigned seating or not? I would recommend that you do. The assigned type of seating, you know, when I was in school, we had assigned seating to the point where you had to sit in this particular seat on the bus at all times for attendance purposes. We were far more lenient when I was a director, but we always had the color guard or the drummers or whatever particular sections on specific buses. Just to have the sections together. It's always good to have sections together on the buses in terms of building the camaraderie, but in case for whatever reason you're a trumpet player and you realize, oh, I, I forgot my valve oil back in the band room. Does anybody have valve oil with them? Then they, they know in advance. So having instrument sections and groups of the band together on the buses, that's imperative. What are you going to be using to transport your equipment? This has always been interesting. I strongly advise against using any type of pickup truck as the equipment truck. Even one with a hydraulic jack that allows the bed to go up and down and where there's a lift. I would even advise against that. We had those over the years. Not good for the instruments in any way, shape, or form. Uh, it's a bad idea. And the second it rains, you're in all kinds of trouble. Put all the tarp down that you want. Things are going to get destroyed. Uh, the best way to go, it's going to cost some money, but you know what? Everything costs money. Best thing, the way to go is you got to get a, get a U-Haul if you don't have something on school grounds. Figure out what size is going to work best. Because you really don't want a U-Haul that's too big anyway. Because then you don't want the equipment being whipped around all the places, smacking against things. You're going to need to tie all the things down really, really well inside of that U-Haul. If you're really lucky, your school district perhaps has a box truck of source, sorts. So, in the elements, everything is going to be safe. And not just in the elements, but in terms of safety and theft prevention. You don't want a situation where some of your, your expensive equipment is walking off at a game or an event. Make sure to get everybody approved on through the Board of Education that you need to. More and more places now are emphatically demanding that volunteers in any capacity with marching bands are approved by the Board of Education. This needs to be done well in advance, just like everything else needs to be done well in advance. And I continue to see a majority of band directors not planning things in advance. This is going to add so much stress to your life. If you are one of those people, you need to change that immediately. Throughout the course of the season, food, now food's a biggie. Students have to eat. The question is when and where. Now, you almost never want them eating on the bus, unless it's a really long trek. You usually don't want them eating on the bus. 
if you're going to allow them to go to a concession stand, you have to figure out when. When is the appropriate time? During football games, the common time to usually allow students to get food and take care of restroom is the third quarter. I personally, no matter who the student was, it didn't matter how close the facilities were or the concessions were, didn't matter. I always had students travel in groups. Minimum two people together, but usually groups of four or five. It's a pack mentality. Because unfortunately, there are gonna be some stadiums that you enter, not usually in competitions or festivals, but you're going to find it a lot more often when you're visiting another town. You're going to have some nasty fans there. It's inevitable. At some point throughout the season, there's going to be at least one stadium with some extremely nasty fans. And you don't want any of your kids to be in a situation where they're by themselves and could potentially be ganged up on and ridiculed or, heaven forbid, some form of violence against your students because they've been left all alone. So, be sure that students stay together at all times. Again, the, the uniform thing is critical, but making sure that they stay together at all times. The third quarter is usually good. What I would do is, I've always said, as soon as halftime is finished, we would agree upon in advance what they would wear as far as their uniform, If they were allowed to take their jackets off, which was unbelievably rare, uh, what they, they would have to do, some of them would have to hold their jackets in, in, in with their arms, some of them would lay their jackets on the bleachers. Again, it's usually not recommended. It's got to be really hot outside for you to do that. You're just asking for issues. <clears throat> For the concessions and for restroom, I would say that by about the four minute mark of the third quarter, you want all students back into their original seats in the bleachers. The reason for that is just in case there's a long line at a bathroom or a long line at concession stands and anybody gets back at maybe the three minute mark or even the two minute mark. And there should be a staff member who should be in the vicinity to be the last person to be following the last group of students coming back to the stands. Uh, excuse me, coming back to the bleachers. There should be somebody in that situation to verify that nobody has been left behind. That, that staff member will also be able to vouch then as to why the group might be late. I have had situations where the entire third quarter I have taken away that privilege if there are students who come back late. And while I do not like penalizing the full group, uh, when it comes to marching band, I've always thought of it as being an all-for-one, one-for-all type of thing. And yes, I have penalized the entire group if two or three students are late. I've always felt very strongly about that, and it really sends the message. For home games <coughs> and for away games, always have backup equipment and many forms of backup equipment. As many parts of the uniform as possible, spare sets of shoes, socks, gloves, Headwear. It's so important that you have a spare thing. What we used to call was a dummy box. And the dummy box just had, well, you're a dummy because you forgot whatever you forgot or whatever the case may be. Inside of the box should be all of those, oops, I forgot this type of thing. So your oils will be in there any other accessories for instruments, 
all that stuff is important. In terms of <clears throat> the drum major being up on some type of podium, if you have a backup podium, it's not a bad idea to have it on hand, even if it's a short ladder. Usually, the other band will allow you to use their materials, but drum majors are usually pretty picky about the podiums that they stand on. After all, they are going to be up high in the air. So if you do have a backup ladder, even if it's a short, short step ladder, and your drum major is used to using it, just use that instead of having them use some foreign equipment that they're not used to. I've had some drum majors who have been downright terrified to get onto an opposing band's materials. You want your students to be comfortable uh, at all times. Uh, just another random thing throughout the course of the season, spray bottles. Spray bottles are great to have. Usually have spray bottles and put a little bit of citrus inside of them, just in case you wanna give students, for in whatever situation, particularly for the heat, you want to just be able to uh, reduce their body temperature. So if you put some citrus in there, it's good for when you squirt it in their mouths, squirt it all over their faces, and of course, one of the most important places to squirt is the back of the neck. The back of the neck is a place that gets extremely hot, and when you squirt that and it, the water can then tri trickle down the back, uh, it will really uh, keep the body temperature down. When your season is going on, are you going to take any time to review what has been done at games? I always, when my football games would end, I would always meet with the band and discuss what had happened. If something bad had happened, it needs to be addressed right away. So what I would say to parents is, this is the estimated time that we're expecting it to get back to the school. This is the estimated time for departure. And it was typically 15 minutes after we had arrived back to the school to be able to talk to the students, let them know the schedule coming up, remind them of anything important in terms of permission slips, and at great length, go through anything positive or negative while everything's fresh on everyone's minds. Try not to get everything so negative all the time. Yes, there will be times in which the band director is going to explode because there was something ridiculous that happened. But it can't be just negative, negative, negative all the time. There has, there's got, got to be a sense of positivity which comes out of the evening. That's got to happen. And I have to tell you, more often than not, there would be constructive criticism and praise, which would happen during that time. And everybody's got to be there. Nobody can leave early. If it's too late that you're arriving back to the school, you make an exception. But it's got to, again, it's got to be that one-time exception thing. It's when you're making exceptions constantly because the staff members want to get home early. Listen, if you signed up to be the band director of a high school marching band, and your staff members as well, you signed up to give away a lot of your, your time in the fall. That comes with the territory. You can't have it both ways. It can't be you decide to sign up 
because of a stipend and you're only going to come from this time to this time and that's going to be how it's going to be and it has to end. It's in, it goes all the way back to what I was saying earlier in terms of leadership. Make sure that you have the right people in place so when you need the most, they're going to be there and they're going to be available for you. By the same token, don't spend too much time dwelling on certain topics. It's funny. One of the other things that I've seen, and it's just something that's been on my mind as I'm talking about all of these different things that you encounter throughout the season, I can't begin to tell you how many times I've seen marching band discussing everything that's wrong with the marching band during the game. And even worse, teaching the students at the game. Terrible! Absolutely terrible. That is a clear-cut sign that you have not been using your rehearsal time effectively. The performances are what they are. As a matter of fact, in terms of teachable moments, the actual teaching, almost none when it came to performing and doing anything in public. Almost none. All done in rehearsal, out of public view. Because performances need to be just that. Everybody's got a certain mentality. That's not the time to be teaching. That's certainly not the time to be teaching music. That's like showing your dirty laundry for everyone to see. Not a good idea. And I leave you with one final thought in terms of the marching band season. And it again comes back to time management. Always know what's going on in the football game. Particularly the times when your band is going to be leaving the stands. Know how long it's going to take the students to get out of the bleachers. You need to spend time practicing getting into and out of the bleachers during your rehearsal time. Time needs to be spent on that, not at the football game. So then everybody can get in and out in an orderly fashion. You need to figure out how much time it takes you to get from point A to point B. Point B being a warm-up area prior to going on for your halftime show. And point B to point C for getting into the on-deck circle, for lack of a better word, as to where your band is going to be standing, to, ready to get onto the field before finally getting on the field to do their show. The typical times that I found work best, second quarter, by about the eight to nine minute mark, all of your color guard and percussionists should be leaving at that point. Definitely the color guard. Sometimes the color guard can leave even earlier because they don't need to be playing instruments in stands. They can spend their time working on their routines and just working in general. No harm in that. Absolutely no later than six minutes left in the second quarter, your band should be leaving the stands. Because once again, you don't know if something's going to go wrong. Band should be leaving the stands, you need to get to your area. You don't know if the clock's going to stop 12 times between the six-minute mark and the end of the quarter. I've had times where the clock has stopped maybe once from the six-minute mark until zero for the half, which means you legitimately have six minutes. It can go by very quickly, but on the whole, in terms of game stoppage, clock stoppage, Usually six minutes, six to seven minutes usually works the best that you're actually leaving the stands and going to your area. And by about the two minute mark, you should be leaving your warm up 
area. What if you've done a circle to run parts of the show, however it is you've decided to do it. And you should be heading to the on-deck circle area. There are so many things that I covered here today, and I know there are many more that I probably could have mentioned. But I think that today's podcast episode, along with my previous two, included materials that not only should you consider, but ones that you need to perhaps modify with what you're already doing. Because I'm just seeing too many marching bands with inconsistencies. And one of the things I take a tremendous amount of pride in is that the time when I did serve as a director of marching bands for so many years, I always received a lot of compliments for how well run my bands were. We always had it done in a military type style with military type precision. Every component of the group. But I can tell you and I know that my former students will vouch for this. When you take the full package of all of these elements, if everything's done right, it changes lives. It will help the students to become better people in the future. It will allow them to become tremendous leaders. And I can tell you now, watching them in their 20s and 30s, it's proof positive. And almost none of them are in the field of music. They're leaders in so many other areas and making a big difference in our world. Make the difference in a child's world. Plan all of your activities accordingly.